Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion CLB podcast. We are so excited to have you listening in with us. This is Elena, your host, and we have Justin with us today. We're going to be covering a Q&A question for you, and this one is a little bit out of the ordinary of what we usually share, so we hope you find some information and insights in this episode. Today's question is going to be, why are relationships with animals important in leadership development? Before we dive in, I do want to say it would be awesome if you could leave us a five-star review and a rating on whatever podcast app you use to stream us. So welcome, Justin, and we can hop in the question. Awesome. Thank you, Elena. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another podcast. Obviously, like Elena said, (laughs) pay the dues, man. Uh, Share it. We don't charge. Obviously, we do this for free. We're trying to grow everyone. But, you know, the goal is to spread positivity and leadership in a world that desperately needs it right now. um, And hope and joy and all the things uh, through leadership. And so please share it. Five star review, like Elena said, Now follow us on Instagram and stuff. If you want more content, Elena gives a lot of content. I give a lot of content. So Um, you can follow us on social media as well and see some of the other things we do and Elena's other podcasts and mine as well. So, you know, if you like what we're doing here, venture out, explore it a little bit. You can see that we're legit, that we run legit businesses, that Futurist Partners is a 23-year-old legit business is not like other people out there on the internet that are giving advice. We have legitimately have the experience and the leadership and the success and a business with four locations. And almost 600 employees, or a little over 600 employees, I guess, right now, um, to show that we do know what we're talking about. Um, the proof is there. So I know there's a lot of other things out there, but I, I encourage the audience to really look at, um, you know, what is the truth and what are the people you're learning from? And do they have the actual experience? Um, to go along with the things that they're saying that they claim the knowledge in because the experience matters as we talked about a podcast, but I've had quite a bit of people um, DM me over the last two weeks based on some of the other podcasts we released, just saying the authenticity and the realism that comes out of it because we are an actual business. Um, And we're actually running a business at the same time and developing these leadership skills at the same time as we're doing it on the podcast. So, um, I think people are getting a real effect there. So thank you everyone. Uh, Elena, what is the question today? Why are relationships with animals important in leadership development? Yeah. And so I know I'm probably going to lose a majority of my audience on here, but I guess when you pay the bills and you lead the podcast, um, you can chase away anyone you want. But I will say that probably majority of the people that are listening to this podcast 
um, are thinking that focus and determination and success and wealth means like concentrating your time, meaning having no distractions, family, dogs, cats, animals that can pull you away. Um, I will tell you that it is probably the opposite. Um, if you don't learn how to do, you know, I will tell you um, from my own experience in my first when I was married in my first marriage, my only marriage right now, because I'm only engaged to Deborah, is um, was she didn't have animals growing up. And so getting a dog was a very big thing. And it was very apparent in the way that we cared for things and we cared for people and the way we led, how we would lead a family, so on and so forth. Nothing against anyone. I'm not trying to drag that up. But what I am trying to say is that when we don't have animals in our life, um, we we don't have as much love and care in our heart. I, um, that's normal, uh, I would say for sure. And so there is this thing that happens where humans grow and they can eventually take care of themselves, the kids, whatever, but a dog or a cat, while they're somewhat independent, they are dependent on you and you as the higher being, which we are the highest being on this planet in terms of intellect and ability to make a difference or make a decision that benefits the entire environment. We are also probably not only the saviors, but we could be the monsters um, in what we do. So that's a huge responsibility. <clears throat> so <clears throat> let's go back to any way of looking at it without animals on this planet, without the circulation of animals, without the balance of human and animals, whether it's natural or in their environment or it's whether we're turning them into food whether we're trying to deal with it humanely there has to be a relationship there and believe me i believe in an animal soul and i get all of it and i still eat meat because i still understand that there is a function and that it's pretty blind to think that humans can survive just off of plants like it's it's a very high ideal it's just pretty impossible for the poorer part of the world I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen what they have. If you don't have animal fats and they don't raise animals in smaller properties and they don't roam around everywhere, it's pretty hard to feed people. And it's pretty hard to get the nutrition, like the, some of the vitamins that you need from meat when you are malnutrition. If you're in a first world country, we can get our nutrition. We can forge it, fake it, put it in a vitamin, supplements, whatever. But in a third world country, you promote things that you aren't supplementing things in. That's a problem because you are trying to save the animals. So I get it. Like I get the whole balance, but I do want to talk about the relationship with animals and leading. And I think from a farming standpoint, there's one way of looking at our agricultural. And then there's the point of as our pets, right? And so it's okay for all animals not to be equal in our hierarchy. Um, unfortunately, as the higher beings, those are decisions we have to make and we have directives. Like the human mind has directives and we understand those directives and we are very much into protecting ourselves, making sure that we survive. But we often, you know, in evolution and in giving up relationships with people, especially during COVID or relationships with animals as we've industrialized and urbanized, we've become less relationship driven. We've become less patient. I mean, we've become yeah, less patient for others. We, the, the way we love each other is different. And if you look at it, like, I mean, in all honesty, if you don't have a pet or you don't even, 
don't have one, it's not too late to do a fish or a turtle or something simpler that you do have to maintain. But if you want to be a good leader, you have to learn how to take care of something that is less fortunate than you are. Because a true leader is leading and to make people better and to make their lives better. And that as a human in mankind or womankind or however we want to look at it is important because we do have that responsibility. Whether we like it or not, it's like whether I like it or not, I have to do the dishes. It's the same thing. I have to eat. But I have to have a relationship with the environment around me. I am merely one species on this planet. And the way we became that one species was mass aggression. Like we're a very aggressive species. We're aggressive in our, in our ability to fight. Even when we're quote unquote at peace, we're still fighting. We're talking shit about other people. We're causing drama. We're talking shit about other countries. We're putting it on the news. That, that's what we do. Because when you don't fill your life with other things or purpose, you tend to fill them with nonsense and you gain purpose over negativity, over judgment, over making yourself feel better than someone else um, by voicing negativity about them and not even understanding where they are. So animals, it's a good way. I mean, a dog, you need discipline in your life. I get it. People are like, oh, I have to work 12 hours a day. Yeah, it's true and it's not true right? Like being an entrepreneur means I'm in my business all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm fucking working all hours of the night. I'm just, I'm smart about how I do it. So by having animals, by taking responsibility, by making sure they're fed, by taking a leadership role with them and making them a part of your family or making it a part of your business, if your business involves animals, um, I think it's important. I think we've seen a lot of work environments bring dogs and cats into the work environment to try to soften that environment, to try to make it less stressful, right? Unconditional love from an animal, whether you're eating it or not, it still makes you feel better. Now, I may feel bad that I get attached to an animal and then I eat it. Like, that's understandable. But we also have to understand what's the directive. Like I said, the number one directive is the human survival right? And protection of our people. But in order to do that, it requires protecting the planet. The second derivative is to protect the animals on the goddamn planet. Before we make money, before we do anything else, and yes, you need money to protect them. But really, honestly, like, you don't have much left. And there's no point in really leading for a future if we totally ignore 99.9% .9 of the future, which is everything else other than humans. And so we need to build a relationship. It is our responsibility. And in the grand scheme of things, we are the gods of our world in terms of all the animals. We can destroy the world. We can make an animal's path. We can pin down an animal. We can train an animal. We can break an animal. We can do all. We can domesticate. We are gods in that sense. And with that responsibility becomes we need to do a better job plenty of people don't take care of their dogs properly there's plenty of people that have animals that are terrible people that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about what holistically is it to take care of an animal and have a relationship with an animal a trusting relationship a real decent relationship like we would like to have with humans like or that that animal gives us you know so even the hard knocks and so 
I'm all over the board. I'm probably going to get a lot of feedback on this episode. How can you say animal only and whatever? But honestly, where I stand and in my life and growing up on a farm and when I chose to have a dog in my life and when it made a difference for me, it's important to have that responsibility. And it's important to manage it as part of your life. And you have to figure out a way to do all of it that makes your life successful and the animal's life successful. And if that's for food, well, if you're going to kill it anyway, you better make sure it has the best life possible. It's fed properly. It's the most humane raised, and it's delivering the most efficient nutrients to the human. If we're going to have a relationship with them, let's make sure they succeed in their relationship with us too, even if that's eating them and eating the whole animal. So it's things like that, that that's what I'm talking about relationship. If we care about the soul of the animal, then it's not about not killing them. It's about not wasting it. And if it's about not wasting it and all animals live less time, mostly on the planet than we do, which means we have a longer lifespan, which would means we have a longer time to make a difference than that animal does in their lifetime. We should take great responsibility in that. And when you take responsibility that we are humans and that we are the greater being, and it goes beyond just whether or not we're privileged and we should have a job and we should have money, all important things, I get it, believe me. But I've never once wanted an animal harmed or put an animal in harm's way to get money. Now, you could argue with me that killing animals at food service partners to feed people is harming an animal, I would disagree. At some point we have to eat meat and at some point we have to eat. So it's a matter of doing it in a way that makes it successful for both people. Where both people, both people, both animals, sorry, have served their purpose. And it's hard for people to understand that like our dog serves his purpose in 10 years and then he's gone. But that's what makes them man's best friend. It's short. They love us completely. And we get to mourn them and feel loss, feel real loss and companionship from unconditional love and go have the balls again to go get another dog and do it again. Just like in relationships, just like anything else in the animal kingdom. Like they're based on relationships with the environment, with nature. We are no different because we put ourselves in a house and we turn on the air conditioning and we roll up our windows. It doesn't mean that we aren't living in nature and we aren't living with the environment. And I'm not saying I'm some hippy dippy thing or climate change or any of that. You know, we can get into all those things and leading in all those things in my opinion. But in my opinion, the best way to lead is with what you know and with what you know is that there's no possible way based on what we know that the way we have our food chain is proper. It's not saying don't eat meat, let's go plant-based protein. I think we gotta be careful of listening to experts who aren't actually experts in food. Just saying, you could be a mad genius, but you don't know shit about farming. And believe me, I've been in farming my whole life and I still don't know shit because there's so much passed down knowledge on each fruit, each vegetable, each animal. It's intense. And so we need to respect the knowledge and that it's something that happens over a lifetime and that these people are the ones building relationships with animals that we should be doing over a lifetime. So while they may not want to lose money and they may get blindsided and we may have inhumane treatment of the animals, 
I think that if we all as humans could lead in agreement that the first step, regardless of whatever, no matter what it is, no matter what I think, eat meat or not eat meat, we should, even if we lose the, the battle, I'm a believe in vegan and I lose the battle on vegan, still arguably, you cannot tell me that it's still better to treat the animal humane than not humane. Like, it's like one of those things, like we totally, it's either all or nothing. And we don't look at the next best option for the human. We look at the next best option for me and what my opinion is. And so animals help us look at what's the next best option for the animals. What's the next best option for the things that I'm caring for. And then therefore you're like, oh, well, maybe I need to make decisions for my family, not for me. Plenty of people do it. I'm saying you need a dog or a cat to do it. I'm just saying, look at the difference in love in your life if you truly love the animal. And they're going to be hard. Puppies, cats, they are more, they are more needy than anything you've ever experienced other than maybe a child. A child's a little bit different because you see your reflection in them. So most people, I wouldn't say, I would say a decent amount of people treat babies and humans and children decently. Obviously, no, we know from my own case that isn't true. Um, and people do horrible things to animals too, right? It's an indicator of whether or not they're going to be a decent human, right? We have indicators now if someone's harmful to animals that it's indicators to be a serial killer or harmful in society if they don't get mental or physical help, depending on what it is. Um, so it's the same thing, right? If we're bankrupt of animals, we don't have the compassion or understanding to even make a decision. Like if you're not exposing yourself to animals, you're not living within it. You're not living within our realm. And it's interesting because we have a lot of religions. We have a lot of things in this world that treat animals as dirty and that they bring sickness and, and stuff into our homes. And we sort of villainize the animal. But the reality is, is the animal's perfectly fine, right? They're not the villain. The villain is us who aren't taking proper care of ourselves healthily that allow an organism or whatever to come into our home. We're not doing the right things. We're not taking care of the dog. We're not taking care of our family. We're not taking care of ourselves. Therefore our home's dirty, right? Pretty simple. And if you don't have money, don't take on a pet. If you can't afford it, don't take one. Obviously I'm not saying to get a pet out of, you can't afford it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you can afford it and when you, think you can, even though you think you can't, responsibility is important to have animals in your life. And I had it in extremes. I had both farm animals and animals as pets. I understand the hierarchy of both. And as humans, we get the ability to decide. And yes, they do eat dogs in some country. And yes, they do eat horses in some country. So in some places, pets are domesticated food. And people eat male animals, not just female animals or castrated animals or whatever you want to call it. So like there are things that we do to our food chain that have really messed it up because we made decisions as humans, you know, and yes, we geld and castrate cows and make them steers. So we don't have the bull and they don't kill each other so they can grow meat so we can eat them. Right. We just lose the testosterone that's grown in the meat that's transferred from a bull. So how do we get it back? Well, then we look at what we're looking at in the modern era, which is shots and whatever else. When in actuality, we could look at the animals and be part of our animal kingdom and look to the way it's done naturally. Because synthetic 
testosterone, it's still coming from somewhere and they're still pulling it from nature. So this is where like we have animals, we have nature, we should have a relationship with them. We can get everything we need from them, yet we choose to create it in a lab and cause long-term damage like cancer to our cells. Because your cancer is basically your cells turning on themselves and eating away at itself and basically committing suicide. Your body, your cells, they commit suicide. The reason they do that is because you put something foreign in there that fucks them up. And it has really, 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 really less and less to do with our diet. And yes, sugar, especially if it's processed, it's processed. Therefore, it's not natural. Therefore, yes, it's going to cause cancer. So like, we just need to know like what that is and you need to know the animals. Um, so I went on some tangents there, Elena, um, and I want to try to focus it back in maybe on pets and animals that we eat, but I wanted to make sure that you had some time to talk really quickly. Yeah. So, so I, um, I enjoyed all of that information and all of the insights that you shared. And a lot of the guys in my life enjoy hunting, for example, and it's not something that I would ever you know, want to do on the weekend for fun, but a lot of them do enjoy it. So I was thinking, you know, the other day I said to Greg, I said, I think it's like, he was just saying to me how, you know, the food chain and da da da, basically a lot of what you previously said. And I said, well, you wouldn't kill a dog and you wouldn't, you know, go out hunting like domesticated animals. And he said, well, we're in America where we don't do that, right? Other countries, you know, some countries do it and it's normal to them. So it's hard for me, I guess, to draw the lines between the animals that we hunt and feeling sad for that poor little, you know, buck or whatever it is. I feel sad for those animals hunting them. Do I still eat meat? Yes, I do. But I don't like to see where it comes from. I like to know it's healthy, but I don't want to see, you know, the actual killing of the animal, any of that. I don't want to be a part of it. So it's hard for me, you know, to draw those lines. So I think just kind of like you were sharing um, with the way that we get our food and we hunt and we have domesticated animals, it's all, you know, it's all important and it all plays a role. And I just thought it was interesting because I just had a conversation about this um, very, very recently and had some of the same, some of the same information um, given back to me. I mean, it's a very real thing and it's the weirdest thing, but there are conversations you have to have. I mean, would you eat your dog? Probably not. But if you were dying and starving and the dog was going to die anyway, first, and he was dying, you would probably kill him to preserve the meat a little bit so you could eat him. And it's horrible to say, and I wouldn't want to eat Brutus, but the derivative is still the human survival in our brain. And we do things because of that. And so hunting in a weird way is also humans controlling the population because the animals are going to die anyway. If you get overpopulated, they die from disease and whatever else and starvation. So this is one of those things where if we leave it as it is and we still try to be humans, both can't exist. Like it's, there has to be some tweaking, but the tweaking is not to processing food. The tweaking is to figuring out how to live in balance. And oddly, I believe that hunting in terms of wild animals is, is a way, 
I think you'll see like down in Colorado or Wyoming, they have an elk ranch. And while the elk are quote unquote wild, they're in a reserve and people still go in and hunt them and eat the meat. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but if we looked at it as we bred rhinos, mass produced them for their meat and for their horns, it might look a little different in terms of endangered species. You know, if they're, we look at them as, yes, they're wild, but also that maybe there's a way to domesticate them and grow them. And that a cow was once wild and a cat was once wild and a dog was once wild and a rhino was once wild, we might actually save them. And it's so fucked up to say. It really is fucked up because it doesn't make any sense. But look at the animals we've saved on this planet. Even within the, the cow species or bovine species or chicken or whatever, we've selectively kept the ones we wanted. And we've gotten rid of the ones we didn't. We've bred into genetics the way we want those animals to be. And so it's like, it's hard for me to think that we wouldn't do the same thing for an endangered species. Like there's obviously being killed because there's profit there. Like, so let's stop saying like, okay, no one's going to stop killing them to make their whatever erectile dysfunction go away or whatever the thing is. So how do we do it differently? How do we grow them? How do we use it differently where they're in nature and maybe in the other way. And it's awful because I don't want animals to die. And I believe in the soul of the animal. But I also understand that the reason humans are here is because we are the most aggressive, destructive being on the planet. And we conquer and we devour and we build and we capitalize. And I'm all for it. 100% the growth of the human being a better person, leaving a legacy. But the thing is, is we don't pay enough attention of how we should do it with the animals in our life. So I think the leaders of the future, really, in the problems of solving Earth, or even if you believe in climate change, which, you know, the Earth's climate changes, I don't know whether it's because of pollution or not, I'm not going to get in the argument. Frankly, I'm just doing my part to make sure it doesn't get any worse. And so that's where I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time on the argument, I'm going to waste my time on doing the action to make sure it doesn't happen just in case it is. So I care less about whether it's happening or not, or what's really going on, or what someone's opinion is. And more or less, like, I'm like, okay, well, if that's possible, and I want a better world for my family, I should probably just do humane animals, get rid of the carbon footprint, do whatever, you know, have better relationships with animals, because we need the animals, guys, they're part of our rotation, they breathe air, they give happiness, they, and you may say a dog, what is its purpose? They don't do anything. We don't eat them. We don't do whatever. I've heard people make that argument. And then we've heard some people do eat them. But the point of some animals is as the number one being on earth, just like God does, we are God-like. He chooses angels. He chooses humans. He's chosen where, what animals have what intelligence. So if we believe in that, and we are godlike. It is our choice and our ability on this earth to do the most godly, humane thing, which is to make sure the life of the animal, the tree, the human, the plant, whatever it is, was used for something of purpose and moving forward. So if it's your domesticated dog, it's this dog's helping me move forward by teaching me unconditional love. And it's teaching me responsibility. And it's teaching me something about myself. Because I can tell you guys... If you really look at animals, they will teach you way more than humans. And they see you for who you are way before anyone else. And they know whether you're a trustworthy person before you ever do. And if you aren't, 
you'll know by the way that animal treats you and it's not that animal's fault, it's your fault. It's something you've done in your life, it's something you're doing, it's some energy you're letting off, whether it's anxiety or whatever, you need to get it in check. It may not be something bad, it may just be the way you're handling your life, but they are good indicators. And they are there when you're sad, when no one else is, and they are there when you're leading and no one else can understand why you're leading. Dogs, cats, you know, whatever, going out on the farm, riding a horse, going out and being with the cows that you eat, all that stuff is very, very important because like we can't mess up the animal kingdom. We can't just give up eating animals and, and mess up years upon years of relationships and things we've done to these animals. Like a cow's purpose right now is been bred to maximize meat and milk. That's just what it is. It's not a wild animal anymore. And could it go back wild? Sure, but where? We've populated the entire United States and possibly the entire world. So we have to actually think about living with the animals more, maybe having some of these wild animals that we're so afraid of more as livestock um, as well as pets um, where we're doing animal husbandry. Um, but, you know, profit in saving the animals and getting donations is still not to compare the profit of selling the ivory. So it's awful for me to say, and I don't want endangered species, but if we can figure out a way to make it profitable and that it is more of a livestock situation, maybe it becomes more reasonable and maybe we stop some of this, but it's looking at, you know, I'm saying it because I don't know what else to say. Like the Netherlands looks at prostitution. It happens no matter what. It's the oldest business in the world. The best thing to do as humans is to regulate it, make sure people aren't getting sick, make sure people aren't getting put in there in bad situations, which is tough because you're talking about prostitution, which is totally demoralizing and we can all argue against it. But on the other side of it, when you face that it happens no matter what, and you know, you're never going to put an end to that human thing. We can try, we can put morals in place, we can do whatever. The best thing for us to do as humans is to protect the people that are doing something unsafe. That's the responsible thing. And then get them help if they need it or give them other options or opportunities to get out of those situations. But you can't just do it by saying it's illegal and you can't just do it by saying, that it's whatever. And it's the same with the animals. You can't just say, we're going to save the animals, stop killing them. It's illegal and put them in a preserve. It's not a long-term solution. You can't just conserve your way through something and sustain your way through something. Life doesn't work that way. You need to grow. You need to look at it differently. And we need to look at it differently right now. And the way we treat our animals and the way we treat ourselves and the way we associate animals in our life, you know, it's pretty important that we classify it. What is our food? What is our animals? There's no reason we can't love both, but we need to appreciate them for their purpose um, because that's what gives something a soul. Our soul is based on our purpose. Our soul lives on after us because it has purpose. Some of us may think it's to go to heaven, right? But it's really, if you believe in that, you go to heaven by having real purpose in your life, which is by giving back to all things God created, which is not only your neighbor, and which I find interesting, if you really look at it, take care of your neighbor, it's not only the human, it's the animals who are also our neighbors. So, you know, for me, um, if you want to lead, it's important to have relationships with animals, the ones we eat, 
the ones we have as pets, um, the ones that provide service in the military. I mean, there's those, um, or to a blind person or to an emotionally distraught person for lack of a better term. Sorry, that's not the right politically correct term, but they do serve their purpose. They go into hospitals, they give comfort. They do things that humans are not willing to do. And we've got to accept that while we are the highest being on this planet, you know, that that doesn't necessarily mean that we have the highest intelligence on everything on this planet. And we may be the highest intelligence, but I think we can learn a lot from simpler animals who don't have as much cloudedness in their ability and don't overthink everything. And so, you know, what does the animal do? Animal can let things go. They forget, they forgive, they move on, they want to be happy. I'm not saying we should forget hard things or let people take abuse of us like animals do because animals keep coming back for more. That's the one thing that I just can't understand yet. We still do it as humans is we keep dishing more after we've given it. You know, once we've had a taste of something bad, we keep going for more. Um, and so, you know, if you really love an animal and you really see that animal functioning in your life and you treat them properly, the reward is way better than you could ever imagine. And what you'll also get out of it, and no one realizes that if you can relate to animals, you can love unconditionally and take care of something that doesn't talk to you that doesn't give you fulfillment in praising you, that doesn't give you fulfillment in all things. It's just straight love and trust. Like really, there's just love and trust there. And it's the fundamental thing why every relationship you have with an animal is built on. And whether or not we abuse it or take advantage of it or totally fucking destroy it as a human with the animal, sorry for you because that's an awful place to be in, because I'd much rather have love and kindness and joy and uncomfortableness and growing than I would being miserable or mistreating an animal or a human. And so the reward is way different. And I know people think that if you knock other people down, it makes you look bigger. It's just not true. So when you treat animals better, you people are attracted to you. And if you look at the way things are, we read the Bible or you read anything, whether it's Noah's Ark, for example, we have a responsibility to take care of the animals now and in the future. That's the whole point of the story. He's not only taking care of the animals, but he's ensuring their future. And so even if he lost, even if there was extinction, he still tried and he still saved two, one male, one female. It was a lofty goal, if you really think about it. What if one of them was infertile or whatever, right? But this point is, is that he did it for mankind. And that the point is, is if he's the only one and there's only one, um, you know, only one person building an ark, well, we've got a problem, right? So um, I really think that we need to think about building the ark in our lives on a daily basis. So if I were to leave anyone with anything, um, I don't care what religion you are, you can get the analogy. That's pretty straightforward. If you build an ark in your life to protect the animals and your family, whether that's food or pets, emotional or physical, because one is food you need it for physical and your brain functions off the of animal fat very well. It gets at very high productivity rates. And 
pets which help us emotionally when humans can't especially now when more and more as we grow in humans and more and more information the more callous we come and i get it i don't make decisions on emotions and i try to have logic and i don't spend money when i'm happy all these things are true i listen to all those things but an animal always balances out my decisions and if i really actually have a conversation with an animal which is fucking nuts by the way because they're not talking back to you, you actually can work your way through a conversation like you were talking to a therapist or someone in a lot of ways. Now, mind you need a therapist to help you with behaviors, but talking to something that loves you no matter what, no matter what you say, good, bad, or indifferent, it's a pretty powerful lesson. And even when you're going to eat it, they still love you. And I know people are like, well, then we shouldn't eat them the doe, the, the deer or whatever. But when we understand that their love and their purpose and that the way their soul benefit is by passing on nutrients to us as humans so we can continue to protect their offspring. We may not be able to protect all of the deer, but through hunting and doing stuff, we ensure that the deer live on forever as a species. And it's the same thing I'm talking about with the rhinos. There has to be a balance giraffes we have to figure out what it is i don't imagine eating a giraffe but shit if we were starving and the world needed food and we were trying to save the giraffes i might just say let's domesticate the giraffes and try to figure out how to grow them in an environment that they're domesticated and they're also beautiful animals and awesome and unique but they're also food and it's people are gonna get really pissed at me when i say that but i'm telling you that we have to figure out a better way that we align everything that we get to enjoy them, but also ensure their existence. And there's no, we ensure existence every day with our food when it's domesticated. The opposite is when we don't domesticate it and we overfish or overdo our seas because we haven't domesticated the animals properly or brought them on the land properly or thought about it differently. That's where we run into a problem. And it's sort of the same thing we're doing with the safaris. We're locking these animals in and we're hoping they breed for the purpose on continuing on forever. Yet the purpose of continuing on forever in our world right now is merely for the human spectacle. Like we're ensuring the animals are here so we can go see them for the human spectacle. Like that's, and, and yes, it's so they live on forever and we don't lose them. But there is no purpose to that animal living on other than that and being around forever. We need to give them purposes. They need to be a part of the human, the animal kingdom, and they need to serve a purpose in it. You know, a cheetah eats probably a dead rhino. So I guess on the preserve, the cheetah is still functioning and eating dead animals. And within the preserves, they're somewhat still doing their things and they're protected. But I'm talking about what happens if we go outside a zoo? What happens when we look at reptiles like alligators and domesticate them for consumption? Like it's possible we're seeing chicken farmers do it all the time because they can get rid of the dead chickens. And there's a lot less death in alligators than there are in chickens, ironically. So I went way over. I know Elena's got to get to another appointment, but I think ultimately you need to build your ark. And what does that art look like? And if the world ever did go to shit, what is it that you have around you that you could save for the world tomorrow? And speaking of hunting, what is the skill set that you have that'll contribute to a world that's 
doesn't have the internet, for example, because everyone can use the internet, everyone can use a computer, everyone uses social media, it doesn't make you interesting anymore. What actually makes you interesting is going back and doing the things and becoming a more rounded human. Um, that's what makes you interesting. That's what gets you sales. That's what makes you a better leader. You need to be interesting and interesting is going, exposing yourself with experience to animals. Um, and Deborah and I have been to the safaris in Africa, believe me, they're amazing and the elephants and all that and what they're doing and the donations, those people are outstanding humans and they're protecting those animals and getting them to live on and they're doing the right thing. And I'm not bashing them in any way. I model the life that they're taking. Those people risk their lives for poachers all the time. But what I am saying is we need to maybe look at a different way, you know, and we see what's happening with fish and the overfishing to feed us because we're not domesticating. We see what's happening to wildlife when we're just leaving them out in the wild. Um, and we're also seeing what's happening to humans as we, the more we distance ourselves from that animal kingdom or from the farms or from whatever, we're less in touch with actually what goes on. And, you know, it's great that everyone goes to a grocery store, but I'm 100% positive in the United States, 90% of us don't even understand the way our food is done or what it goes through or how it's fed or what it means to compound energy or nutrition or any of it. Yet we eat all the time. And yet we worry about our animals all the time. Yet we're not worried about what they're eating that's going into our bodies. It's pretty weird. That's a pretty weird thing. And that's where the human mind is broken. You know, it, we have a protective mechanism in place that doesn't see that. Even though I just said it, I find it hard to believe, even though it's logical and I know it's true. So just like I know that it's illogical that saving the soul of an animal means to kill it and eat it because killing one saves four if they were to all starve. You know, so that's being the greater being and having to make that decision. And yes, we make wrong decisions, but I think if we have the intent of doing what's best, um, you know, it's great. Look, we removed the, we removed wolves from Yellowstone how many years ago? Cause we were worried they were eating everything and the population of certain animals were getting bad and they were endangered. We were endangering animals cause there were wolves in Yellowstone. So they got, and they were attacking people. So they removed all the wolves in Yellowstone. Well, we had erosion we had the rivers changing, we had the buffalo moving, we had the elk moving south, all of those things. And we had them, the other part is that then you had a whole group of elk and buffalo that weren't migrating for the seasons. So they're bearing out the freaking cold ass winter at super high altitude in Yellowstone Park, which is a volcano, by the way, just so we're all aware of what it's sitting on, a giant fucking volcano. And so, you know, we're preserving this place, knowing it might explode one day because we're wanting those animals to survive. So let's talk about that. We know damn well that that volcano is definitely going to explode one day. No doubt. Yet we're preserving animals and nature and human things on there because we want them to go on. And here's the other thing that we got smart about. We domesticated buffalo and we leave them in the wild. We have wild horses and we domesticate them. So in one example, I'm showing you how they're both wild, but I'm also showing you we eat one and we have one as a pet. Now, Australia, they eat both. So whatever. But 
what is that relationship and truly what is your responsibility as a human as your directive and like i said in my opinion there's two you take care of the humans that's your family that's your future that's your legacy in a positive way and the second one is you take care of the animals and the world those are your two directives in life you know making money and all that yes we should go to work and all that but the purpose that which we get out of it it shouldn't be defined by what we work out of the work should be our ability to go have things or have money or have things to go be with animals go travel the world to expose ourselves make our lives better you know it's more about that um and less about defining you or oh my god i can't believe what that she would said about me doesn't she know that i work all day and i work so hard at work well yeah but you're not doing that in your relationship you know, and the dog's going to poop in the house if I don't walk it every so many hours. Like it's a direct correlation to where I'm making mistakes. So that's where the animals, like I said, um, they're important. So I hope everyone agrees. Like I said, build your arc. I was really all over the board today, um, guys. I was going to talk about pets and then farms in a different conversation, but I combined them all together. I hope everyone got something out of it. I'm going to talk about this topic a lot more in a lot more detail um, down the road. But for now, thank you, everyone. Sorry, Elena, I really went way over there. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thanks, everyone. And thank you for sharing all of that information. I think it's going to be a really different um, episode than people are used to hearing from us. And I think that's going to make it, make it a hit. So thanks so much. And I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you.